Osiris. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. You're listening to The Show on the Road, a new podcast where I interview songwriters, band leaders, and musicians from around the world. My name is Zach Leverton. The Show on the Road is brought to you by Nomad. Our friends up in Santa Barbara make the most epically good-looking accessories, cases, battery packs, and cords with handcrafted leather and Kevlar material. It'll make you look way cooler than you actually are. Why do you think I'm using one of their battery packs all day? I'm not good with time management, and it keeps my phone charged so I can read this amazing text to you right now. Go to www.hellonomad.com BGS and put in the discount code BGS to receive 15% off until the end of January. Nomad, design for adventure. This week, my conversation with the honey-voiced singer-songwriter, Lindsay Liu. I was able to catch up with Lindsay after a long five-week tour of hers, and after we had both stayed up till about five in the morning playing this crazy hotel festival. Were we a bit loopy? Yes, we were, but maybe that's the best time to talk into a microphone and dive deep into the soul. For two sleep-deprived, broken-voiced people, I think we covered a lot of good ground. We talked about how she joined the great Americana band Migration from Michigan to Nashville. She comes from way up in the Upper Peninsula, where she would join her dad in the paper mill. And it was up there in chilly Iron Mountain, where she had that light bulb above her head moment, listening to Miss Lauren Hill in the kitchen. And she knew she didn't just want to be a singer who could wring emotion from the pit of her being. She had to do it. And for over a decade, she's been making slow-burning, soulful roots music, first with her Michigan-based band, The Flatbellies, and now with her Nashville crew that just tours under Lindsay Lou. Look, uh, my favorite part about doing these podcasts is when we forget what we're talking about. All the notes go out the window, and everything breaks down, and all of a sudden, you're just talking from the heart. And if there's one thing I can say about Lindsay, is that she sings from a place deeper than the heart. It's like a heart within a heart. And she's always singing, by the way. She even breaks out into a couple original lullabies because everyone's having babies. Everyone we know is having babies, so lullabies are super needed right now. And uh, I want to apologize to her mom and my mom. Um, There's not a lot of babies coming from us at the moment because we're, you know, on the road making music and sitting in vans. But you just never know. Life is a magical journey. (laughs) But enough about all that. Let's talk to the lady herself. Lindsay Liu. I'm here with Nashville's Lindsay Liu, by way of Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. When was that move? January 2015, I believe. No, 2015? Yes, that's right. Does it feel like home now? Mm-hmm, sure does. There's a pretty big community that you know already down there, right? Mm-hmm. And it kind of seems like in the last five years... A lot of folks have migrated there, mm-hmm. but are not going there to play country music. No, there's a you know there's a community actually. That's the vibe. What what is special about that community? You know the people. <laughs> <laughs> the dogs that they have. No, Al. Actually, if you want the honest answer, it's Al. Who's Al? A L. Um, he's a street cat that. Now lords over our houses. 
So he trades places in different houses. Yeah, yeah. Because there's three of us in one house and three across the street. And so, and we're all gone a lot, but somebody's home usually that can, you know, hang with Al, give him a little pat him on the head. Who else is in the hood? Doing a good job. Is Billy Strings and those guys in the same hood? Yep. Well, Billy's across the street with Allie and Molly Tuttle. Josh and I are in my house with our house, (laughs) with uh, Molly Farr. And I laugh when I say my house, because one time on stage at the... Exit in. I was like, hey, everybody, come to my house. <laughs> and I'm looking at the people who I live with who are looking at me like. <laughs> Is this an official party? or <laughs> <laughs> Whose house? <laughs> yeah. yeah it, was, it all worked out okay, though. Where in Michigan are you from? Well, you know, Iron Mountain is the answer, but Kingsford is where I, the neighborhood I lived in. But Iron Mountain is what you say. It's kind of like if you're from... Livonia, and somebody asks you where you're from, you say Detroit. Are you familiar with Michigan? I went to U of M. Go oh, Blue. right. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm. Yeah, I remember that now. I know, because I have a lot of friends from the Detroit suburbs. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're from Bloomfield Hills, you're not from Detroit. Right. You totally. Know. You know. And likewise, if you're from Iron Mountain, you're not from Kingsford, and vice versa. However, these communities are so small, and they just happen to be right next to each other. And that's the way it pans out. What did your folks do in Michigan? In Michigan, my dad worked at a paper mill, recently retired. But I was actually born in Missouri, and he worked in the mines, in the coal mines there. Wow. uh, But my whole family's from Michigan. He just moved there to work in the mines, and I happened to be born while he was doing that. Got laid off when I was three, moved back up to the UP, the Upper Peninsula, of course. It's pretty cool up there. Yeah. Literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. Do you miss things about Michigan? Mm -hmm. But I go back, you know. It's not forever away. So your dad worked in coal mines, paper factory. Paper mill. Paper mill. I also worked there for a summer in the wind, in a Christmas holiday, my first year of college. What'd you do there? I worked in the lab. Oh. I tested the viscosity of the pulp and whatnot, and the acidity and of different stages. I basically, it was the machine is a quarter mile long, and I basically walked it. I would work twelve hour shifts and walk this route of the machine and take samples like every couple hours or something. Did your dad not want you to s- stay there longer? Like, did he? Well, it's just like a college program they have for people who work there who have kids in college. Then come do some job at the mill and make decent money for the summer, you know, while they're in college. Is the mill still going? Sure. Yeah, totally. That's good. And my mom worked at various places. Like, she worked at a furniture store for a long time. And she's worked at supermarkets, like neighborhood small like two blocks away from where I grew up, she worked at Central Supermarket. And it was very difficult for her to leave that job. She cried a lot. Why? The community? You have to ask my mom. <laughs> yeah, the community. Should we get her on the phone? That's exactly why. Yeah, the little kids who come in and buy candy who she knows. And, you know, I bought candy at that store, too. So. What was your first job? I was a barista. I was 14. I worked at the first Jamba Juice in Chicago. Whoa. Nice. And I would give all my friends, 
like green smoothies, free smoothies, but like of all the collected leftover smoothies. So it'd be like oh, perfect, like a crazy. Why isn't that just built into their business model? I mean, they yelled at me eventually when they found out, but I was like, no one's drinking the leftovers. Is. You know, it is absurd. And they had the same playlist <clears throat> on loop mm-hmm. every day. I worked at Subway, which was that. Like yeah. the corporate awesome. approved playlist. Yeah. But then again, if you're on that playlist, it's got to be pretty sweet. <laughs> then again, you're getting pennies for Spotify, I guess. But So you released your newest record, uh, Southland, and definitely feels like there's this com- combining of, of soul and folk rhythms and, and traditions. Do you feel like your voice is uniquely suited to cross different genres? When I was a little girl, my Auntie Melody was commenting that I sing through my nose in a sort of country style. And I remember thinking, oh crap, I don't want to be like, I don't want to just sing country. Like I, I love me some Randy Travis, you know? But I was getting to the point where, you know, I was like old enough that I was starting to like Lauren Hill and stuff, you know? So, you know, I don't want, I don't, I can't be country if I want to sound like Lauren Hill, which I very much so did, you know, I listened to it many times and just thought about how beautiful it was, you know? What was the first record that made you want to do your own music? Can I cheat and say my, okay. There's, there's no wrong answer. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know the answer to that question. Maybe it was the flat bellies. But that's not true because I have this very vivid memory of being in the kitchen. My dad's making pancakes or something, you know, or maybe stew. Classic. Pancakes with stew, maybe. (laughs) Like a pancake stew. (laughs) I remember standing at the stove and I was like, Dad, you know, how old was I? I had to be late elementary school, early middle school. And I remember saying, I want to be a singer so bad that I just know that I will because of how bad that I want to. But I was thinking, like, if I'm going to be a singer, I've got to be, like, Lauren Hill or, you know, Brandy, you know, these people who I'm listening to on the hits radio in the Whole Foods or whatever. Well, Whole Foods obviously has a better music selection, but... (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I'm saying. The, uh... Mainstream. Yeah, well, like, how, what is the path for a girl like you in the Upper Peninsula to become Lauren Hill, right? Exactly. Did it feel, in, like, impossible? No, well, this is the thing, is I was having, like, a little, like, pep talk for myself with my dad, <laughs> and I was like, Dad, I want to so bad that I just know I'm gonna. And he's like, you know, if you set goals and keep them where you can see them, you know, you're gonna be all right. And I just remember these words very vividly. <laughs> somebody in college, I did this interview thing in college. It was like for a study. Somebody gave me 20 bucks to do a study. And they asked me if I remembered messages that my parents had given me growing up. And that was one that I've speaking to her has even more cemented in my, you know, it's, it's come up. <laughs> Your folks are super encouraging. Very encouraging, yeah. My mom came from a family of musical people, singers and family band and 12 brothers and sisters and, you know. 12? Mm-hmm. 
And she always sang to me, and her mom sang to her. And then my friends growing up would uh, elect me as the lullaby singer because I had been collecting by nature of being born where I had been. What is your go-to lullaby for Ooh, baby right now? Oh, my God. What a wonderful question. Well, I just actually sent Mark Lavingood this song. It's like, <clears throat> but I, this isn't a song that I ever thought of as a lullaby until I thought to text it to Mark, which is that Bobby Charles song. It's like, wild apple trees are blooming all around. I must be in a good place now. You know, it's like, just lays out the most lovely, oh, what a good day to go fishing, you know, sunshine coming through the trees and love is everywhere and all I see is you. You know, it's like, just a very beautiful, I saw a butterfly and I named it after you. That's lullaby material. It's pretty romantic, too. It is romantic too, yeah, but it's so beautiful. It's so it's so pure, the kind of love that it describes. That, but that's not one that that that's not one that I ever thought of until a couple of days ago. But my mom has like a repertoire, you know. For some reason, I have the question: Do you believe in ghosts, and have you seen any? Let's just go. Let's just go with that. Okay. I don't know. Like, is it, is it a maybe? Sure. Are your grandparents still around? My grandma. Were you close with any of your grandparents in the past? Well, my grandpa, my dad's dad would whistle to me, and he built me a stool, and he could wiggle his ears, you know. And I was pretty young when he died. But I remember it. And then my grandma died, I was older, like nine, but she would buy me orange cream schools and make sure I was very warm before I hopped on the inner tube that my brother and my cousins had tied to the back of a four-wheeler to drive in circles with, you know? You sit on the inner tube and just go in circles. You know, she made sure I was like really warm for that sort of activity. And, um, And people say that I look like her, but I do think I look like my mom who I also think looks like my grandma, who's the one that's alive. My mom's dad died when she was 18, so I never met him. Hmm. If your all your grandparents were back for one day, what was the, what would be the first song that you'd play them? Amazing Grace. Oh, shit. Why? Easy. Everyone agrees on Amazing Grace. <laughs> were your folks religious? My grandmother is a radical Christian, you know. Rad- she's a radical Christian. She's, you know, spent the night in prison, a co- or not prison, sorry, jail a couple times for once for writing in 1969 the word fuck on the chalkboard to teach, to have like a, a English lesson about it. She's an English teacher. Wow. Second time for protesting people... City, the city of Austin spending money on something besides making sure the homeless were taken care of. So you get the picture anyway. She's a radical Christian, but she doesn't care that... I told her, I was like, Grandma, I think I'm, I'm thinking about calling myself an atheist. I think I'm just going to 
roll with that. She's like, that's fine. She's like, doesn't matter what you call it. You know, she's always got the right. I love trying to throw curveballs at my grandma because it's just an exercise in futility. <laughs> she's like, I've seen it all, man. <laughs> Your song, uh, Go There Alone, on the new record, um, definitely hit me. I, I was really digging it. Um, feels like it's about seeking or whether it's love or something beyond our experience. Um, I'm curious if you could read the words of the chorus. You gotta go. You gotta go there. Don't mistake the kingdom for the king upon the throne. Love is not a marriage and a house is not a home. No lyrics out of context are impossible. You gotta go there alone. Yeah. That's it. But then the last one is extended, of course. That's where I was thinking, do I keep going or do I stop? <laughs> is there a heaven when we die? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Melody Walker says, heaven is right here if you're doing it right. Melody Walker's not the only one that said it. Can't we all agree on that one? She's been on this very podcast. I kind of agree with that. The heaven on earth, if you can cr find it. Mm. And there's also a lot of hells on earth, you know. Yeah. What's the most painful thing you've ever experienced? Like, have you broken a bone? Yes, I have. But that's not the most painful thing I've ever experienced. I guess mo emotional and physical pain are very different. Do you draw from them when you write? Mm-hmm. Don't you? Well, I think you have to. If you're being honest. Do you ever feel like you want to like name names when you write a song? What do you mean? If someone really hurt you <laughs> and you're processing it and it's there's enough time that's passed, they're like, well, no one will remember Steve, you know, from 12th grade and <laughs> ran out on me. What if I just like... Describe Steve. Because <laughs> there's times where, like, like what is the appro appropriate passage of time to, like, write that song about someone that really did you wrong? I thought it was zero minutes. Just right away. Well, when it's fresh, it has a certain thing. You can write about it again later. But, you know, it's all just is what it is, I'd say. But, you know, you can be tactful. Do you feel like a song starts from a certain place inside you, or does it come from a song that you hear on the radio? Does it come from something someone says to you? Like, where does the seed of a song start? C. All of the above. I thought you were like, yeah, C. It's always the key of C. <laughs> I do, actually. You know, I, when I first started accompanying myself, it was with a piano in my dad's parents' paternal grandparents' basement. And C is so easy. So I hypothesize that the reason why I always pick up my guitar and C is just like, yep, of course, key of C, is because of that, because the early days of, of uh, I don't know, who knows? You know when I would write, write songs? It would be like C or C minor. You put that minor third in there. A little sadness, a little <laughs> darkness. Do you have a certain song that you play before you have a huge show, like your biggest show of the year, that would pump you up, get you centered? 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, I belong to the band, hallelujah. In fact, I sing that song to myself sometimes when I'm driving on a 12-hour cross-country marathon. <laughs> 12 hours, that's, that's a lot. It doesn't happen at all. I'm just saying that it's useful. But I don't know. Do I have something I regularly do? No. I, yeah, I do. I, I'll do like, Ohio. Is a sad situation here. It's you know, kind of, I only slept for three hours. Right three hours last night. Yeah, this is you know, this is, an this is the last day of a five-week tour. I'm just going to go ahead and excuse myself from any judgment. further excuses and judgment. That's the principle. Sounding very jazzy thing. though. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I'm digging the the smokiness. You uh, you guys have had some success in in the UK. People really digging your stuff. Do you feel like there's a little bit of a different response when you go outside of the States? Not really. Sometimes I like to pretend that the reason I'm not funny is because there's a cultural divide. Uh-huh. But I, I always know it's not true, and then I come home and it's like, yep, I'm still just a freaking weirdo. Yeah, but we're all weirdos to be in this life in some form, right? Yeah, totally. How many days are you on the road a year, you think? I don't know. It changes, it's changing, you know. We all kind of want a little less and to make a little more, right? Do you think that it's sustainable? Only because we get to sing. Because we can't not sing. Because we're going to do it anyway, right? Absolutely. What's the the Gillian Welch song that's out right now? Everything is free now. (laughs) That's what they say. Yeah, everything I ever done. Gonna give it away. Gonna do it anyway, though. That's and that's the sort of. Amen. It's both heartening and disheartening, I think, because there's the heartening part is that I think there's so much passion and feeling and skill among, especially roots artists we know that are putting out amazing stuff, doing it without any promise of financial gain or. What would happen if there was no struggle? Well, yeah, but I think the the more. Um, daunting thing is knowing that the game is constantly changing and you don't have any idea where you are in the game, right? Mm-hmm. It's like streaming. You're talking about life right now? <laughs> I'm talking more about music, the music industry maybe, but like the whole thing with streaming, it didn't exist like six years ago. Of course. Right? Well, yeah, right. In this scale, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I mean like they're talking about, I think they're officially getting rid of the iTunes section of Apple, right? So it's like the thing of the concept of purchasing music is almost a foreign concept to young people, mm-hmm. right? Which is kind of beautiful. If there can be a value to the music that can be paid in some other way. Yes. and But what is the other way? Besides going to shows and buying a shirt, you know, like, because... You do get paid on Spotify if enough people stream it. It does amount to something. And um, and that's great, you know. People feed us. People give us clutch places to stay, you know, to live. 
you get to be rags to riches. You get to be all of it while you're you the whole time, of course. It's a unique, you know, what's the word? Experience? Um, Vantage point? Destiny that we all have. <laughs> Your song, um, The Voice, um, has this line, trust the voice you know is right. Do you have self-doubt when you're writing lyrics, or is it kind of just flow? Well, I do these like songwriting exercises as practice, where I just try to crank them out. And that's really cool because they end up being pretty disparate in feeling, because you, because like you, you already did that feeling. Now you have a, now you want to like, if you're gonna stop that and start a new thing, it's gonna be different, you know. What is what is one of the exercises? You try to write twenty songs in twelve hours. It's it's absurd. I've only ever gotten to ten, and not full songs, but they become full songs, you know, if I if I stick with them. And I go back to old ones sometimes that I didn't stick with and throw it on the stage. I'm like, dudes, you could do this. <laughs> Remember that one time? <laughs> it's just four chords. We got this. <laughs> don't, 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 don't. <laughs> and then sometimes I'll be like, wait, no, you tell me. How's it go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel uh-huh. like... Maybe only towards the end of the tour. I don't know, though. It's hard to say. It's hard to really make heads or tails of any of this. Is it your, uh, what you say goes in oh, that's Flatbilly hilarious. Universe? That is hilarious. Well, I will tell you that, Zach. Yes. You know about coexisting. I try to. Okay, yeah. But that being said, the whole coexisting thing, which cannot be boiled down to a thing like you said just now. Does what you say goes? Mm-hmm. Is it your way or the highway? Your way or the highway, yeah. Well, what is your band? Yes, certain, or is it, is it a partnership? In certain scenarios, it is. However, that's like the whole idea of the leadership position is that you have varying opinions and you consider them all. You have however many people you're with, you consider them all. So every once in a while, you make a decision that's tough because the people don't think it's the right one. And then you have a choice. Do I stand my ground or do I take their advice, my, my trusty advisors, of which they most certainly are, you know, on many counts throughout the day. <laughs> yeah. You know? So there's that, but, but I take them to heart very, very seriously, even well, if they don't always think so in these particular moments I just described. Well, I think if you're, yeah, if you're in a band long term, especially... Mm-hmm on the road, you've, you have to um, take people into consideration and keep everyone happy, right? Because that's so much of making music is this chemistry between people, right? Mm-hmm. And you can feel on stage when there's a rift mm-hmm. or, or, a, or a divide. Absolutely. You know, and... Yeah, the music will go on. Um, you want... You want those moments to be able to uh, ebb and flow as they will and to know that you can withstand them, you know? Because I don't think a relationship has ever been had that didn't experience that, you know? So, you know, there's that. But anyway, all that being said, I thought of this hilarious moment when we first got here and, you know, there's, I'm, I've asked them to call me Mona 
when when the question is tour management related. Okay. <laughs> you know, can I have a food ticket? Do you know how? Do you know how we can get back from here? What's our room number? All these questions, you know. Um, They're asking you this. Yeah, and if they have a particular question that is a request, you know, I just I've thought that it was only fair that I also have the right to make a request, which is that I would love to be called Mona. Like, hey, Mona. Why that name? <laughs> I don't know. It just I reached up and it was I grabbed it in that moment. You know. Do you do a lot of the tour? Advancing and all that stuff? Well, I recently took a little try at handing it off, and I've tried it a couple times, and I know that the time is in, in the future, or maybe I'll always do it, you know? It's cool. Well, there is a comfort to having control of things sometimes. Like, I I like booking all our hotels. I book all the hotels, I book all the flights. And it's like, why is the lead singer doing this like boring shit? But I kind of, I kind of like it. Mm-hmm. When I get on the computer, all of a sudden it starts going really fast. And it's yeah. like, window, new screen, new tab. Like, what about orbits versus? Did I check Southwest? Like, you really the gears start spinning. My only problem with that work is that I will feel very quickly as though I'm running down a slippery hill. Mm. You know, into into the pit of tasks. Mm-hmm. So. You know, we're f- I'm figuring out how to get help because part of being an adult is knowing when to ask for help when you need it, right? <laughs> yeah, I think we're f- we're figuring it out. Five week tours—that's a pretty extensive, you know, oh, thing everything, to figure out. Yeah, everything always um, pans out, keeps keeps on going. You know, you guys have what? You have five in the group. Four. Four. So you do, do you guys do two hotel rooms? Three hotel rooms if we can. As often as possible. Do you take your own? <laughs> I joke. I joke about it sometimes. Every once in a while, though, we do get four just because of the nature of the sort of event that it is, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll sleep in my own room. It's kind of luxurious, though, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. Do you have a guilty pleasure TV show that you watch in hotel rooms? Silence is my best friend. Ooh. Do you meditate? I guess so. I'm learning about it. But not consciously. No, intentionally. But not in like the sit on the floor with like no the mantra. legs crossed. No, I have mantras, of course. I just... <laughs> 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 it's, it's not like... Where did you learn <clears throat> these mantras? Well, I picked them up along the way, you know. Sometimes I make them up, but... Pick them up along the way. I got Omani Pemeho from... Tibet. Mm. But before that, I did the Lord's Prayer. I've been doing the Lord's Prayer for for a long time. Mm. What about the Lord's Prayer hits you? Oh, I just learned it, like, at a certain point in my life and would say it. I also learned this other one at Bible camp that's that I started to do, and then I think I switched to the Lord's Prayer after that. But I also do, you know, other, like, I've listened to audiobooks about meditation. I've picked up a couple... Things from there. Did any crazy stuff go down at Bible camp? Sure. Kick the can. Spin the bottle. No. <laughs> Not, no, that was like neighborhood hangs. What crazy instrumentation, if money was no object, would you add to a tour? <sighs> okay. I'm going to check on that later. Should we just put mom on the, on the phone? 
She's just, like, she's texting me. I can't read this right now, but I'm going to call her. But it's basically probably something like, something is spelled wrong on this YouTube video or... Oh, really? Yeah. Or I don't know, whatever it is, you know? <laughs> What's your fa- mom's favorite song of yours? Let's phone this one in. I'll ask her. She might answer. This is like, um, <laughs> who wants to be a millionaire when you had to phone a friend? Mm-hmm. Is she in Michigan right now? Mm-hmm. It's probably, it's 11 o'clock at night there. Oh, yeah, she but still she could be partying. You never know. It's your mom party? Yeah. Who's ready to rage, Iron Mountain? <laughs> She's Iron River now. <laughs> oh, Iron River. Yeah, they okay. moved. <laughs> okay. Is Iron River, like, below Iron Mountain? I know you're awake, Ma, because you're texting me. You can't pretend like you're not awake. Let's see. 1958, and now it's 2017. Oh, my God. She's partying for sure. Let you me have, try do you again. use military time? Yeah. Why? Oh, well, you know. Because... You were in the service back in the day? <laughs> yeah, no. No, but sometimes it's surprising the people you meet who were, you know? Come on, Mom. Ma. Maybe Mom, I need to text her and be like, Mom. You're going to be on a podcast. It's going to be great. Yeah. Maybe she's, like, reading a really intense part of her book before bed. No? She's partying. She's partying? Well, I guess it is Saturday. No, it's Sunday. It's Saturday or Sunday. It doesn't matter. Oh, this What does your mom do when she parties? You know, she... Tell him, please record your message. When you... She makes a fire in the basement in the wood stove and keeps the door open and lights up a cigarette and has some whiskey, probably. Vodka, maybe, or a margarita. Your mom is very different than my mom. <laughs> All right, we're going to do one stream of consciousness response thing, and then we're going to play a song. Okay. I want you to think of the first thing that pops into your mind when I say the following words. Train wreck. Carter family. Is there a song by them called Trainwreck? No, but there's that, um, I'm glad I was born, engineered, to die on the, uh, that, the, the railway line, the, uh, it's two letters, oh well, anyway. An old train song. All right, what do you think when I say breakup? Movie. Which movie? I don't know, any of them. What's the saddest movie you've ever seen? Saddest movie I've ever seen? What made you cry? I cried so hard at the Titanic in fifth grade. And in the theater? Yeah. What's a movie lately I've seen that I cried a lot? I just watched this movie called The Jungle, Amazon. The Jungle? Yeah, it's a story of epic survival. Mm. And when you finish watching it, you will feel so silly about anything you give a fuck about that is making you uncomfortable. As you, as you do. When I say tongue. Ring. You do not have a tongue ring. Would you get a tongue ring? I thought I wanted one when I was 14. You sounded like you were kind of a punk rock 14-year-old. Yes. Oh, man. What would the Lindsay Lou musical be called when it hits Broadway? What about Purple Franken? Sense and Myrrh. Yes. 
Ooh. Purple frankincense. The problem is <laughs> purple, I think, prince, though. I was going to say Pur- rain. Purple frankenprince. Like, mm. Purple frankenprince and merle. Purple fingerprints. Purple, okay. Well, we can go back and listen to all the options and sift through, pick out the the. There's a Broadway keeper. producer scheming right now. He's listening to that new record, and he's like, you know. Oh, that would be cool. Soulful got, folk I, albums need to be put I have a Broadway. whole bunch of new songs, though, that I want to record. When's that going to happen? Mm, well, as soon as somebody, you know. You released your album I mean, independently? I mean, I'm, yeah. No, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, hopefully when I get home this week, I can record something. I'm trying to figure out the whole, like, you know, as we are, always. How you do, do demos at your house? I take voice memos on my phone. I don't know if Apple realizes how much the iPhone is like this deposit box of amazing ideas of every single person who's writing music right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, because we all it's do it. It's the new notebook. Right? Yeah, it's we all do it. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the song that you have in mind? It's the most mm-hmm. recent one I wrote. Great. It's called The Great Defender. Sweet. I had it coming You were the one There's ice on the road And we're on the run Cold is so That when it drops The whole world is listening When I'm on the rocks A great defender's gone
song sounding good if you want to listen to more of her please check out her newest record it's called Southland one of the best folk records of the last five years hands down and uh, there's a really cool conversation on the bluegrasssituation.com with her called a radical woman she is kind of radical if you'd like to know more about her tour dates go to lindsayloumusic.com the show on the road is hosted by me Zach Lupiton and produced by the handsome Hawaiian Chris Jacobs with support from the bluegrass situation team The show on the road is a part of the BGS Podcast Network. This is Zach Lubitin. See you on the trail. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born, to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.